Have you ever made like a really bad joke, but then all of a sudden you hear some clown in the background laughing like, <laughs> those people make me really, really nervous. Hey fam, welcome to a new episode of Stay Watch, and as always, I'm your host, Larry. So this week, I wanted to get in here early and talk about Joker, the new film uh, directed by Todd Phillips and starring Joaquin Phoenix. Um, and, and basically what I wanted to do a little bit is, is share a little bit of my review, some of my thoughts on the film, um, and kind of break down some of the minuscule, I'll call it minuscule controversy around this film, um, some of which is like not really warranted, I would say. Um, and just kind of like my thoughts is to where it falls in the spectrum with the rest of kind of like the DC universe, uh, DC movies, even though it is pretty fairly disconnected, I still do want to touch on that a little bit. Um, because there are some things that they do in here that, um, kind of left me scratching my head a little bit. Um, but you know, I, I'm going to try to keep this pretty spoiler free in terms of the conversation i might come back later and do a bonus short episode just kind of um actually talking about some of the specifics of what happens in this film um but i mean honestly if you've seen the trailer you probably if you've seen the trailer and you're listening to this podcast i have faith that you probably figured out what's going to happen in the movie before you even sat down in your seat um so yeah, I'll be right back. So 2019's Joker, um, directed by Todd Phillips and starring Joaquin Phoenix. Where to start with this one? Well, I, I mean, I think one of the places that we have to start with this film is just the hype. I mean, we're talking about a hard R film based around the life of the Joker, arguably the most iconic villain in all of entertainment. You know, I mean, like he's up there with folks like Darth Vader. I mean, I, I, I feel like for me, maybe I'm biased because I, I'm a huge comic book fan and I'm a huge Batman fan. Um, I would argue that I, I think the Joker is just ever so slightly more iconic than someone like Darth Vader. Star Wars fans don't get mad. I still love Darth Vader and I know, I know he's got that like broad appeal. Um, but you know, we're, we're talking about a, a guy with stark white skin, green hair, wearing purple suits. Like he's a fashion icon. I mean, he, he did it before other people were getting into it, but, but we're not here to talk about the Joker style though. In this film, I do have to say, I, I really did like the costuming that they did for, 
um, Arthur Fleck, uh, who is in this film, um, the Joker's real name. Um, and, you know, just like the, the burgundy-ish suit that he had, the, you know, real kind of clown makeup that they did. Um, it, it really worked for me. That aspect of it really worked for me. Uh, but 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 again, like just kind of getting back to the hype around this film. So it was tearing up the festival scene. Movie was getting standing ovations left and right. Early critical response was that this movie was fantastic. You know, it's triumphant. It's going to change the way that we think about comic book movies. How many times have we heard that? Um, I'm not going to rant on that, uh, but like just just to kind of jump in that for a second, I am really tired of every time that a comic book movie comes out. It's slightly different from what we're used to, and it's it's not necessarily, you know, the big budget, big production style comic book movie. It's going to change the production of comic book movies forever. It's just not the case. I mean, like we know how business works, you know, what's working with what Marvel's doing, they're going to continue to do until it's not profitable for them anymore. And that's not to say that, you know, they or DC aren't going to do things out of the box or, or when image properties get adapted, whenever that spawn movie comes back, or, you know, if we get another Hellboy at some point, you know, you know, repping that, uh, that, uh, dark horse life. Um, you know, it, it's it, it's one of those things that's just kind of frustrating because it's like, I, I get it, like this has a more serious tone. Um, it is, you know, really a character study. It is very, you know, I, I'm going to call it introspective, even though like I'll, I'll, I'll touch on, on why I would say it's not quite introspective a little bit later. Um, but I mean, like, yeah, I, I get it. I get why they say it, but it doesn't need to be said every time a different type of comic book movie comes out. It's like, all right, when Deadpool came out, it's like, oh, yeah, we can have these satiric things that look at the genre, you know, from a from a side view angle and, and joke with the audience about what these movies are. And that's changing comic book cinema. Uh, you know, the gritty Nolan Dark Knight trilogy is changing superhero cinema. Um you know, Zack Snyder's Watchmen or 300 changing comic books. That it, and it's like, calm it down, people. People are always going to experiment with comedy, comic book movies. Like, it's always going to happen. <laughs> there will always be experimentation. There are going to be trends that are used because they work. And then there are going to be these outliers that are a little bit different and people will try them. It doesn't mean that we're going to get film after film that it's done in this style. Um, you know, and sure, we may get more, uh, especially if Joker is successful. You know, there might be more of kind of, you know, what have they been calling it? Uh, the DC black label kind of films, you know. So, yes, we may get more, uh, but that doesn't mean that it's going to change the entire way that the the comic book movie industry or system works you know again you know look at the millions of billions of dollars <laughs> the billions of dollars that 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 marvel has made um over the last few years with their films that all pretty much use the same formula you know whether you like that or not it, it doesn't it's not something that's broken and it doesn't mean that people are going to change just because hey this is a new way or a not even a new way, a different way. Because again, 
I, I just want to kind of make this clear. Like there, there have been, you know, gritty comic book movies, you know, and, and all right, like, sure, he's not going up against a superhero in this film. It's more or less an origin story for, for lack of a better way of putting it. Um, but again, we've all seen origin stories before. <laughs> That's not new. Um, but yes, yes. So there was a lot of hype. Um, I myself got caught up in the hype. I saw that first trailer. I got really excited for it. You know, the idea of like a taxi driver style Joker movie got me pretty excited, you know, looking at the folks that were attached to this film, you know, like Robert De Niro, Zazie Beetz, Mark Marin, Brian Tyree Henry, you know, just a lot of people who, you know, get me kind of excited to see what they're going to do. Um, and, you know, I got to be real, like just from, you know, I, I, I think I'm going to dip a little bit in and out of kind of reviewing this as I talk about some of these things. But um, the film is about Arthur Fleck. It's about Joker. So those other people are, are really just kind of accessories. Um, and they don't, you know, this is, I don't want to say they don't play an integral role to the story because I think, I think Robert De Niro's character especially does play a very integral role to, um, what's actually, what actually happens in this film. Um, but most of the other characters, you know, most of those other actors, one, aren't given that, that much to do. They're mostly there just to kind of say that they're there. And, you know, it was, it was a little sad because I, I thought we were going to get a little bit more from them because they're, they're all great actors. Um, but they just were not given much to do. And, and again, like, I mean, that was in service of Joaquin Phoenix's performance because, you know, he is our incredibly unreliable narrator throughout this entire tale. And, you know, I think that's the, that's the really kind of crux of what is, what I would say is the best part of this film. It is that performance, you know, it's so visceral, um, you know, I know he's talked about, you know, just kind of the way he moved throwing dances together and just like wanting to put himself in a place that, you know, if someone were to assess him, he would be undiagnosable, uh, which, you know, this movie has things to say about mental health, I think think i don't know if any of them are said quite well i just want to kind of get that out there up top uh i do i do think there are some issues there and i'm interested to see what other people feel about that especially people who work in mental health um you know i think there were some truths uh in this film especially in regards to the way that uh, folks with mental illness have traditionally been treated um, and the way that that services have been provided or cut in some cases. Um, but I, I, I don't know, like I, I feel like th the challenge with this kind of thing is like we are following a character that we know is going to become a villain. And so does, what does that mean for the depictions of mental health that we get or, or depictions of mental illness that we get? Um, 
So I, th I think that's something to like just really consider when you're when you're watching the film, because, you know, again, like I'm not going to tell you what to think, but like from a critical standpoint, you know, and, and that's part of this is that I hope when I'm having these conversations with you all about these films, it's really getting you to think a little bit more critically about what you're watching, what you're engaging with. But, you know, just really take that kind of piece of it and really think about like, all right, like what are what is this film telling me about folks with mental illnesses? Um, you know, and, and again, like, sorry if that's not quite the right word either. Um, I'm a little bit you know, I, I, that's not my area of expertise, but at the same time, uh, it, it is something that that hits pretty close to home. Um, and so there there were some kind of elements where I was like, well, I, I wonder if this could have been handled a little bit better. But again, that's takes nothing away from Joaquin Phoenix's performance. Uh, his laugh is um you know, I, I, I'm not going to quite use the word that I want to use here, but terrifying is is one that that I'm going to use in its place. Uh, it is it's a somewhat kind of terrifying laugh, and in, in, in more than one way. And I'm not going to get into that too much because I don't want to. I think that is something that I don't quite want to spoil for you. You know where that laugh comes from. Um, but there were times where, you know, the first time you hear it and experience it, you're really unnerved uh, and you're you're worried. And I don't know, he just does such a good job of selling it. So, I mean, like, again, his motion, his emotion, his performance, his his facial acting, his contorting, the way that he transformed his body for this film, like Joaquin Phoenix as Arthur Fleck is incredible. Like I, I can't take anything away from his performance. I think he is really good. Um, and I think that's something that, you know, again, in that hype leading up to this film, I think that is something that really came through. Now, one of the issues that started to pop up as that kind of hype train was rolling is, you know, kind of this idea that people started to get a little concerned that this film um, would potentially radicalize um, <clears throat> and they, they, they they thought this film might potentially radicalize uh, white men, um, you know, and I I can understand where that sentiment is coming from. Anytime you you kind of highlight a villain and you share their origin story and you, I'm going to say, attempt to make them sympathetic because, you know, again, just my personal opinion in viewing this film, like, yeah, there, there are there are things that happen to this character that you're like, that sucks. Do they justify his actions? I personally don't think so, but that's just me. Um, and so I, I think that was something that got blown a little bit out of proportion. And, and I know um, just kind of going back and reading a little bit about this uh, or reading a little bit of what was said, you know, it was it was something that, you know, a few reviewers kind of touched on and then people online really kind of jumped on and, and got behind after watching the trailer and things like that. And, you know, it, it, again, we we're in 
I, I don't want to get on like this. This is for another episode, but really looking at the way that that we kind of react to things. And, you know, really, it was only like a handful of people that had something to say here. But because so many people wanted to react to what was being said, it basically amplified it and made it seem like everybody had this complaint about the film. And I, I don't think that's an accurate depiction or portrayal. And so as we got closer to the release of the film, there were a lot of worries about, all right, you know, back when The Dark Knight Rises came out, uh, there was that there was that horrific shooting with the perpetrator claiming, you know, or, or proclaiming that that he's the Joker and everything like that. And so, you know, so then there you started to get people who are a little bit worried, like, oh, I'm, there's no way I'm going to be able to enjoy this film because my head's going to be on a swivel, you know, yeah, every time someone gets up, I'm going to be nervous. And, you know, one, I, I think I think that's depending where you are, you might feel like that all the time anyway, um, not to make it better. But I, I think that was a little bit un unfounded in some ways. I mean, that, you know, we don't we don't have that reaction to all movies where that something like that could potentially happen. Um, you know, and so, you know, not to completely dismiss the fears that people had, because I, I, I think those are valid and I understand where they're coming from. Um, but I think it was a little bit of a, in a lot of ways, an overreaction. There were no credible threats. There was nothing like that. And and realistically, like up until people just kind of started throwing that idea, um, you know, no one was really thinking that way. Um, the other little bit of controversy that that started to crop up around the film and, and sort of the one that I was kind of the most interested in um, or most annoyed by, and I'm going to get into this in a, in a later episode of the podcast, was um, a lot of Todd Phillips comments, um, you know, right around the, the release of the film, um, partially in response to... Um, you know, kind of this, this, this feedback or, or, you know, um, I'm doing air quotes here, but backlash, um, but also, you know, kind of looking at his own career and, you know, he started to, you know, start to act like, you know, he started to say a lot of stuff around, you know, kind of the, the idea that the, the political left is starting to act a lot like the political right and wanting to, um, censor arts and entertainment and, you know, the, the idea that we can't say anything anymore without people kind of jumping on you and telling you you can't say that or you can't do that and preventing you from making your art, um, which kind of led into other interviews that came out where he talked about the idea that he left comedy or, or that you cannot make comedies anymore uh, because of, of, you know, what everybody says, PC, woke culture, which... You know, again, like this is a topic for another episode, which I will kind of get into my thoughts fully on. But, you know, there's so much comedy out there. Like there's there's nothing that is preventing you from making a comedy ever. But that was the rationale that he used for kind of moving into dramas. And so, you know, I, I guess, you know, I guess before this, it might have been been War Dogs might have been, you know, his his first foray into this kind of drama space. Um, he might have had other stuff too, but I mean, that's the one that kind of sticks out in my mind, considering he's the director who did stuff like old school, Starsky and Hutch, the Hangover trilogy. Um, 
So I, I thought that was kind of an interesting piece of it. And honestly, it was something that kind of got me a little bit, it got under my skin a little bit because I was already kind of frustrated with the whole conversation around comedy, but then to be like, well, I had to make this film because I can't do that other thing anymore. Um, you know, I think that's something that kind of, it, it, it informed my watch of this film a little bit. And, and again, like I usually try to go in untainted, but I think because I was working on, I'm, I'm working on that outline for that other episode and what I want to talk about there, I, I felt it was important to engage in that conversation. Um, you know, and what I would really say is, you know, aspects of this film do read like somebody who is frustrated with the current landscape. You know, um, it, it's it's this idea that no one, you know, like quite frankly, and, and this might be projecting a little bit, but uh, again, when you see the film, if you have not seen the film, or if you have seen the film, you might understand what I'm saying here. Um, there are lengths that are gone to, to uh, really kind of assert that, you know, no one, no one laughs at clowns anymore. People want to find everything that they can that is wrong with clowns. They are they are something that is abhorrent to our society. They must all be given the third degree and assumed to be criminals. We must shut down the clowns. Um, and, you know, again, again, might be a little bit of projection, um, but based on, you know, really just based on his comments and, and based on, you know, what's kind of going on in the world of comedy and, and things like that, um, and this this reaction, you know, <laughs> this reverberating reaction, action chamber, whatever we want to call it, um, I I feel like that might have been intentional. And I'm I'm really interested to see what other people who have seen this film think uh, when they kind of put it in that context. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was just something that, that kind of stood out to me. So yeah, I mean, so that was kind of like the the hype aspects of it all. Um, and, I, and I know I, I talked a little bit about what I thought was great about this film. Um, one other thing that I'm going to add on to this section is just the, the cinematography. I think Lawrence Scher, uh, I believe that's how it's pronounced, did an incredible job. And like, it, it's wild thinking that this is a guy who's done cinematography for, you know, all the Hangover movies. He's done stuff like uh, um, the, the Dukes of Hazard uh, when when that was made into a movie. Um, you know, due date. So he's he's worked with um, he, he's worked with Todd Phillips for a really long time. But also seeing, you know, he, he did War Dogs as well. He did The Dictator, um, which was, you know, again, it's just like kind of interesting to think about the movies that he did before this. Uh, but immediately before this, he also did Godzilla King of Monsters, um, which, you know, again, like though that movie had problems, like I think for me, sometimes the, the actual camera work cinematography was some of the more interesting things. So I thought he did a really great job with this as well. Well, where this falls apart a little bit for me, um, but may also be a piece that people who really enjoy this film really love is that it felt fractured and disjointed and it didn't quite 
flow in in an interesting manner it it didn't you know the, the good thing is like it wasn't traditional in, in a sense it was trying to do something different um but at the same time it it didn't always work for me there were moments where it felt incredibly long even though it was technically a fairly breezy movie like i was uh i was surprised by um you know the the actual runtime is about two hours and one minute and there were there were points where I did end up checking my watch just like all right like can we can we get on with this we know where it's going let's just get there um and so there were there was that there were kind of breaks in the story and I know that's supposed to be this kind of uh reflection of Arthur Fleck and his mental state and everything like that but I I think the problem is it didn't always work the way that I believe the director intended it to. And, and it ended up making the film feel, um, it, it ended up making the film feel like a bit, uh, drawn out and unfocused. And again, like, I know these are aspects that it was supposed to kind of have. Um, these were things that were, were somewhat important to, the way that the story was being told, but I personally don't think they quite worked as well as they could have. Um, the other part for me that didn't quite work is there's and there's kind of like a, a secondary narrative uh, within the film uh, revolving around uh, class and class issues and basically the battle between the rich and the poor. And um, it felt like it was I mean, it, not that it felt like it was very clearly referencing, um, you know, some of the, the the anonymous movement and things like that that occurred uh, not too, too long ago. Um, the problem that I felt uh, with this uh, for me personally is, you know, when I when I look at entertainment one, it felt like this was a little bit removed um, from a commentary standpoint. It's like how far past this thing are we and is this the right vehicle for it i know in, in some sense it was trying to set up the world of gotham um and to get us to really think about it contextually because again like since it is the joker it's kind of a batman movie and so we want to understand the worlds that batman lives in because again, Bruce Wayne is in this movie, um, albeit a young boy, Bruce Wayne. Um, yeah. Uh, so they're, so they, they really want to kind of get that across, but you know, they, they really replace the guy Fox mask with the clown mask. And, you know, it was really just kind of about this idea of, you know, the rich trampling everyone, not caring about the experiences of the poor or people of color or the mentally ill and all of these different things. And so that kind of mixed into this character study. Like, I don't know if it quite worked for me personally, um, especially when, you know, one of the TV shows that I watch pretty regularly and that's coming back for its final season is, is Mr. Robot. And, you know, realistically, like 
Mr. Robot kind of takes that idea and and that's one of the core elements of the show. Um, and I think that's the other thing that, you know, is a little bit hard for me to disconnect. And I know not everybody who is going to go into this film will have this point of reference, but, you know, Mr. Robot is also the story of somebody who has this, has, you know, a, a form of, of mental illness and, you know, is is dealing with that um while also kind of getting involved in this thing that you know he may not necessarily have intended to get into uh but where does that carry him and, and what does that transform him into um and, and i feel like because i've already been watching that i i, I felt like there were so many things that I was seeing in Joker that I was just like, well, they kind of did this in Mr. Robot, uh, which then also made me think, well, they kind of did this in Fight Club. <laughs> and, you know, it was kind of that revolving door of, you know, as original as we want to pretend Joker is, you know, it is borrowing a lot. Like we already know that it's borrowing aspects of Taxi Driver and King of Comedy and and uh, The Man Who Laughs and other films. Um, and that's a part of the language that's used here. Um, and it's not a problem to borrow and pay homage and do all of these different things. But, you know, I guess the issue for me is like when we're celebrating something as being this change of pace, being triumphant, you know, really altering the way that we think about film or these types of films specifically, when I see that it's kind of doing stuff that I'm used to um, and kind of no longer find surprising, it ends up not feeling that new or or that much of a breath of fresh air you know and again like i know when you put in the context of well this is new to you know the comic book movie genre you know i can understand that a little bit more um but i also still find it a little bit unfair to kind of give that praise to this thing so you know it, it's one of those things where i'm not saying that this film is terrible uh, by any sense of the imagination. Like I think for people who enjoy film, you'll probably find something in this that you enjoy, you know, whether that's the cinematography, whether that's most of the music, the music's really weird in this film. I think there are some choices that don't quite make sense to me. When you watch it, you'll understand that a little bit more. Um, but for the most part, good choices were made there. Uh, but again, the cinematography, the costuming, the creation of the world, um, you know, it, it feels real. It feels lived in. You get a sense of kind of what Gotham is like. Um, but, you know, and, and again, Joaquin Phoenix's performance is amazing. The problem is, like, I feel like a lot of people may be let down by the story that they actually get, uh, mostly because you see everything coming. And and something being predictable isn't necessarily a bad thing. You know, again, like we, we talk a lot about, you know, you know, your, the, your typical hero's journey kind of stories. You you expect certain things, and while they might not always be revelations, they can still be incredibly enjoyable. I think the problem is when you have something that is centered on a villain and this kind of, you know, what we want to call a descent into 
madness for lack of a better way of putting it but you don't ever really feel that descent because you're kind of always in the madness it, it takes a little bit away from that and and i feel like that for me was like a really big kind of issue with this film and the way that it presented its ideas the other thing that i do have to get into and i touched on this a little bit is the batman of it all um and you know Batman does not appear in this movie, but as I said before, young Bruce Wayne does. Um, Thomas Wayne, uh, portrayed by, um, what's his name? Sam Cullen, Brett Cullen, um, uh, is somewhat integral to the story. He's got a small role, but it, it's somewhat important to um, some of what Arthur Fleck is going through. And I, I don't know, it... it it kind of kept reminding me that the Joker, the bat, the, like the Batman-ness of this whole thing felt a bit tacked on and it felt kind of unnecessary. There was a piece of me that was like, all right, would I care about this if it wasn't Joker, if it wasn't Thomas Wayne, if young Bruce Wayne wasn't in this movie, if it wasn't Gotham? And I, I would almost say that I don't think I would. I, I think it would be really hard for me to give this film the time of day or the benefit of the doubt outside of Joaquin Phoenix's performance. You know, I, I don't like, I think there's a partial will to want to see it be successful um, and, and do well because it's, you know, because it's, it's a DC movie. You know, I want DC to be able to make good, cool movies. And so since this is a shot, this is a try, you know, I, I want it to be successful. But if it weren't DC, like, I don't know if I would be as in favor of it being successful. And, and I don't know if that sounds weird or if, if that doesn't make sense. But I think that's a big part of it, um, you know, and, and what I'll say beyond that is there's a part of me that wonders what this film looked like before the DC aspects were added in, because there is a very specific point in this film where it does something very DC, very, very Batman. And you're just like, I didn't want to see this. I didn't need this. Um, and it was something that kind of rubbed me the wrong way, like where I was like, I, I'm on board. I hope they don't do this thing, but because they've introduced these pieces, maybe it'll happen. And, you know, again, I'm not going to spoil what that is. Um, some of you, you know, I'm sorry if you figured it out already. Um, Cause I mean, again, like this stuff is predictable. <laughs> Everything is predictable. Um, you know, I, I, I just had some issues with it and I, it's it's handled differently than what you may be thinking if you have figured it out um but it was a challenge for me nonetheless and and so i'm just going to end talking cryptically about it there but you know there's there's that piece of me that would have really been interested to see what this movie looked like without the kind of batman dc paint job but yeah, I mean, that's that's really it. I mean, like it's it's a great performance. It's a, 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 an amazingly built world. Um, but the story, the journey is just not that interesting. And it's it's kind of one note for the entire thing. And, 
you know, I was really, I was let down by it because I wanted this movie to be, I wanted to really enjoy this movie. Like, I'm not going to pretend like, you know, a lot of my friends were like, well, the Joker movie does not need to exist. We don't need to make this film. And, you know, while I agree, like, I honestly, like, I want every comic book movie to be good. I want us to get like nonstop, good, interesting, different comic book movies. And so I was really hoping for this one. I was in its corner, but like, as time went on, there were things that kind of knocked me out of its corner a little bit. And here we are, you know, a, a movie that I can only kind of partially praise and, you know, really wanted a bit more from. So those are my thoughts on Joker. Agree, disagree. I, I'm sure this is going to be a really divisive film. And I, and I know like I it sounds like I came down pretty much right in the middle of it. And that's really where I'm at. <laughs> um, but but I know, you know, I know critics have been kind of loving this movie or, or most critics, I should say, not all critics have loved it. Um, you know, there are a lot of critics that loved it. There are a lot of people who seem to love it. There are a lot of people who don't love it. Um, let me know what your thoughts are. Do you agree with some of the points that I made on the film? What do you think about its depiction of mental illness? Um, what do you think about the DC-ness of it all? Uh, would you have wanted more of that? Would you have wanted less of that? Um, hit me up in the comments or on in the comments in the comments if you're on social media uh, or, you know, so I'm at Larry Tron pretty much everywhere on social media. If you want to send me an email with your thoughts, uh, send it to Larry at LM2photo.com. I really would love to hear from you on what you think about this movie, because I think I think it's going to get a lot of people thinking, um, even though I would say the film is not as deep as some people want to pretend it is. Um, I, I do think it is a, a good avenue to starting a bunch of different discussions, both about film uh, and about society as a whole. So, you know, as much as I, I may think some of the things weren't handled very well um, or a lot of false equivalencies may exist in it, um, I, I think there there's a lot there to start to unpack and and really kind of get into um, as we kind of discuss and critically think about this film. So so yeah, so that's pretty much it for this week. Um, I am hoping to get that comedy episode out next week. Um, so, you know, if you have thoughts on comedy that you want me to know, like I said before, hit me up on social media or via email again at Larry Tron on social media, Larry at LM2photo.com uh, via email. Um, and just kind of let me know what your thoughts are on comedy. I would love to kind of include uh, some of your voices or some of your or some of your thoughts, not necessarily your voices. Um, when I kind of break down some of my thoughts on the whole controversy of comedy and you know whether or not comedy is dead or even possible in this day and age um 
And yeah, so look forward to that coming up soon. Um, as I've been mentioning for, you know, basically all summer long and, and pretty much every episode, I am a part of the Hard Knock Media Collective. That's hardnocmedia.com. Uh, and that is the multimedia and podcast arm of the Nerds of Color, your source for all things nerdy from the perspectives of people of color. Um, we have a lot of great shows like Hard Knock Life, which is the flagship podcast for nerds of color. Um, Southern Fried Asians, which looks at the experience of Asian Americans in the U.S. South, as well as stuff like DC TV Classics, which looks at how DC got you know, kind of made their foray into television. So definitely check out those shows. Again, Hard Knock, hardnocmedia.com. Lots of great stuff to check out there. And I will talk to you again soon. Uh, stay watching, y'all. Peace.